Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here today with my nosiest of nosies co-hosts, Dr. Millicent Ravello, because we are talking about noses. And I am, I am quite nosy. When it comes to noses, Actually. you are. <laughs> so this is the podcast, What You Need to Know If You're Thinking About Having a Rhinoplasty, Short and Sweet, Down and Dirty, What You Need to Know If You're at All Thinking About It. No rants. This is the no rant. There's a no rant podcast. zone. This is a so, rant free zone. <laughs> listeners, we are keeping Dr. Jay Calvert in check here. <laughs> I just want to say there are many other podcasts that we've done about having a rhinoplasty. There's intro to rhinoplasty, intro to primary rhinoplasty. There's rhinoplasty 101. But this one is really for people to get the information they need if they are thinking about having a rhinoplasty and they're just kind of out in the world, they're like, you know, I think I'm going to get my nose done. Right. What you kind of need to know to cover the ba- to cover the basis. So why do you want to have a rhinoplasty? That's question number one. Usually, it's because patients don't like how their nose looks. Sometimes there's a functional component to it. They can't breathe. They have a deviated septum. These can all be addressed at the time of the rhinoplasty. If that's what you're coming in for specifically, that's a functional rhinoplasty. That's a different story. We're talking about rhinoplasties that are changing the way the nose looks because you want it to look different. And I do want to say that, again, with uh, the the typical reasons people come in are uh, ethnically diverse. Very. So if you are a Caucasian person or a Hispanic person, you may be coming in because you have a hump that you don't like. You may have a droopy tip that you don't like. If you're Asian, you may like that your bridge is too low and want to build it up or that the tip is too wide and the nostrils are too wide. So it's anything that uh, if you're African-American, it may be that you want more of a bridge and you want less uh, nostril show, you want to have narrower nostrils. Every ethnicity has its sort of complaints of what looks off to them and what will make them more attractive. And the goal is after the rhinoplasty, yes, your nose should look better, but it's not the nose that you're operating for. You're operating for the look, your overall appearance because the nose totally affects how your eyes look, how your cheeks look, how your the length of your face. It, it is a it's such the centerpiece of your nose and we operate on it so that you don't look at it. So you don't see it. The goal is to create a more <laughs> harmonious right. appearing face. And how we do that is is why how and why we do it. That's the whole basis of rhinoplasty. So when you're coming in and you are talking to your surgeon about a rhinoplasty Let's talk about the different ways that they can potentially do it. So usually the first question that's asked are, are you going to do it open or closed? So an open approach means that there's an incision on the columella. The columella is that center piece of your nose in between your two nostrils, and an incision goes right across the middle of that, and then the skin is lifted up. You're looking right at the inside of the nose, and you can do your rhinoplasty there. A closed rhinoplasty means that the incision is on the inside of the nose. So in the mucosa lining of the nose, you make your incisions there and then access the nose internally. I almost just went on a rant. I know. I I know. You know why I was going to do it? (laughs) Because I was going to oh, I'm having a scarless rhinoplasty. I'm not going to rant. I'm not. No rant. I'm not. But people do advertise the the closed rhinoplasty as a, a scarless rhinoplasty, which is complete BS because there are scars inside of the nose that can still be visible because you can still have problems with. So I, I don't like when 
that's that term is used because scars are scars. Yes, you don't see this scar, but I will tell you that in terms of the advantages, what you want is a surgeon that can do either. If you go to a surgeon, they say, I only do, then I think you're talking to a zealot or you're talking to somebody that's limited in their abilities. And you may want to just kind of, I don't know that that's a bad thing per se, but you may want to just kind of revisit because I tend to tailor my technique to the patient's needs. I do open, I do closed, I do more, more open rhinoplasty in primary rhinoplasties than I do in like secondary, the revision rhinoplasties. And I do, I still do plenty of closed rhinoplasties for people having their first rhinoplasty, but I tend to do more closed in my revision rhinoplasty. So I tailor the technique to the patient's nose and the result they're trying to get. So when would you do a closed versus an open? And so let's, to be clear, we're only talking about primary rhinoplasty Today we're just here. doing primary. Primary means you've never had a rhinoplasty before. This is your first one. Revision rhinoplasty, we have a whole other podcast set for that. But for a primary rhinoplasty, someone that's never had a rhinoplasty before, when would you do closed versus open? I tend to do uh, a open rhinoplasty when there's a lot of tip work needed. If I need to do tip suturing, if I need to balance something at the tip, if I need to do more than three or four moves to the tip of the nose, then I'm I'm going to open it because I need to get that right to make everything come together. If I just need to adjust certain things with the tip, maybe I need a little more tip definition, maybe I just need it rotated, then I'll do everything endonasally. I can I can do any nose endonasally. I can endonasally do en- yeah, closed. closed. I can do any any rhinoplasty anyway. I I'm I've done over 5000 rhinoplasties now. I'm skilled in the art. I can do it however I choose to do it. My goal is to do it the way that I'm going to get the best result that I'm going to max out my abilities for that patient because every patient comes with a different nose and a different set of desires and different obstacles to getting that ideal nose. And so you want to custom tailor it. It is really key and you want to have power in that your technical abilities are not limited to, I only do it this way. Right. And there are benefits. That's a mini rant. I, I know. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm I'm to let sorry, it slide. But that was a mini rant. I'm going to let it go. Um, that, you only get one, so that, okay, that, that was, was your one. Done. Um, so, you know, the thought of closed versus open, there are, obviously, like you said, benefits to doing open or closed, but the, one of the main benefits that people say for the closed is that it's a quicker recovery. And so that is true. If you have an open rhinoplasty, you're going to be swollen longer. So there's going to be more swelling in the nose. That's going to take longer to come out. So the results are going to take a little bit longer to show themselves. Whereas with a closed rhinoplasty, there is less swelling. You're going to see that result a lot sooner. And so the recovery is a little bit less. So that is a benefit of the closed, but it's not the only reason that you should do it. Like you said, it's based on what the patient needs. And that's the benefit of a closed. If you can do it, then you get a shorter recovery. But what do you say to the patient? So I guess the question is, and then we'll talk about you know how patients recover. When a patient comes in and they just say they don't like their nose and they don't like something about their nose, how do you get down to what the best nose is for them aesthetically? Like how do you decide like this is what your nose should look like? Do you ask them to give you pictures? Do you ask them to describe what they want? Or do you just say, I got it. I know what you need. No, I want I want to hear from them. I mean, I I can usually tell why they're there. There's a you know a lot of 
you know, I've done a few of these. So like they're, they're common complaints that they know that they'll look better. They've seen pictures and they've, they've usually seen rhinoplasties where they've seen somebody who had their nose. A lot of times it's somebody on my website. They're like, there's a patient on your website looks exactly like me and I want that. And I like what you did for them. And so that's always helpful for them to bring their inspiration pictures. And bringing photos is key. It really, Super it's really important. Helpful. It's great. It's not necessary. You can say, well, I love your work. Do, you know, do your worst and make it amazing. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people do. They're just like, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know what to do. So do that. I love the nose on your website. I love what I see on your Instagram. I want that. That's why I'm here. I saw, you know, Susie Baker and she had a, you know, the nose done by you and it's amazing. So those are the sort of the common ways people wind up in my office. But yeah, bringing photos is key. Being able to articulate, I don't like the hump, the tip droops and it's too wide. That's, that's sort of a great way to be able to say, and then this, you know, as the surgeon, I can go, oh, all right, well, yeah, I can see that. And then typically what I do is I, I draw a picture. I, I, I'm going to buy the imaging thing now <laughs> for the fellowship. You know, we train residents, we train fellows, but you know, for me, I always, I always draw the picture and I draw their nose. It doesn't take me long. And, you know, I usually draw, draw their nose and say, is this your nose now? They're like, oh, my God, that's exactly it. And then I say, this is what I would do. And I show them that. And if they say, mm, I'd like it a little bit lower than that, or I'd like it a little bit more this or a little more that, then I adjust it for them and we agree, agree on it. And I sign the picture. And I say, now take a picture of this. And that's how I do my digital imaging because when they take the picture, now it's digital. <laughs> now it's digital. There you go. But that, that discussion is really key because it's a back and forth. And I, I – I just don't have a whole lot of people who say, well, I wish it were a little more this way or that way because it's pretty clear when I draw the picture what I'm going to do. And in the in the setting of all those other rhinoplasties on all my other social media and the website and everything, it, it kind of comes home for them what's going to happen. Right. And that's the thing. Like you can go to a hundred different plastic surgeons and you may get a hundred different results because every plastic surgeon has a different eye for what they like or what they want a nose to look like and what in their hands they can do. So that's why, again, going back to the befores and afters, choose a surgeon whose afters you like because that's their style and what they'll probably do for you. Not to say that you're all going to get a cookie cutter nose. But every surgeon sort of has a different aesthetic. Some like them a little bit bigger, some like them smaller, some scoopier, some tinier. So just look at the afters. And if you like what you see from one surgeon's work versus another, then then that's the surgeon for you. The best way to find a rhinoplasty surgeon is to look at the before and afters or to get a referral from a, a patient. You know, that the you know, we've we've done a bunch of podcasts about the way that things get marketed. And a lot of times it, it's, it's a fairy tale. I mean, I've seen people market afters with filters on. I'm like, you know, you got your one rant. All right. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a rant free zone and I'm not ranting. I'm just saying there are surgeons that market their results with filters on. Okay. And that I think is, that is total BS. Um, I won't rant about it. You can go to those other podcasts and you can hear the rant <laughs> if you would like to. And I invite you to do so because they're quite good. Um, but the reality is, is you want to really like the before and after photos. And then when you come in, you want to make sure that you're on the same page. That That is really important. We we want to, as a surgeon, I want to be able to say, you know, I hear you and I get it. And then when I'm in the OR, I can do that. And I make we make meticulous notes. I have a scribe who mm-hmm. writes down everything we talk about so nothing gets missed. People are always like, are you writing this down? I'm like, no, she is. No, nope, she is. That's why I have That's you why know, she's here. my incredible – our incredible scribe, Adira, who helps us. And uh, 
that makes it such a big difference for us because it it really does allow me to spend my time communicating uh, and and really getting feedback from the patient and and then obviously the exam is really important. You know everything's important. Rhino, rhinoplasty is a, is a game of millimeters. It is you know you know is the tip just right or is it a little too narrow? Is it a little too wide? I mean all those things come out in the nuance of the communication between the doctor and the patient. And I really believe that you know as as an I am an artist and then as as an artist surgeon. You know, you have to be able to translate the the dreams of your patient into a nose. I mean, it's right. really key. Into a, yeah, yeah. got to be able to translate it into an actual surgery, which is where the surgery surgeon aspect of it comes in. So hopefully you've come in for your consult. You've spoken about, you know, what you want. You've decided on a technique and a plan and a post-operative result. And then you come for your surgery. The surgery is something you come the day of. You can go home the same day if you have someone taking care of you. You can go to an aftercare facility. But after surgery, you're going to have a cast on the outside of your nose, and you're going to have some splints on the inside. Splints are these silicone splints. They have an opening in the middle so you can breathe through them. And both of those are typically kept in place for about a week. Sometimes the internal ones are longer if there's been more work done internally on the septum. Um, but the splints and the cast are kept in place for a week, and then in a week you come back, all of that's removed. I would say the first couple of days, there will be some pain and discomfort. It's not awful. It's definitely manageable, especially with pain medicine. And by a week, from a pain standpoint, you're definitely feeling fine. But those splints are going to be bugging you, and you're really going to want the splints out. Yeah, and Dr. Vell, you sound like you're speaking from experience. I'm speaking those freaking <laughs> splints. I can't stand them. <laughs> you and Stepion both said that. They're, Hated those it, things. It's on, I think Stepion's is on the TikTok. You could take a look at it. But he kept his very clean, and he was very proud of it. He was. I could not. I, mine just kept getting gunky. So that's the thing. You, sometimes, like, um, blood will get collected in them, just um, secretions, and so they can get clogged up, and it's difficult to breathe. And even when you try and flush them with saline and water, they just don't flush. So when that happens, you go back to your surgeon and they can flush them out for you and clean them out and suction them out and make you feel a lot better. But um, One thing though, we don't pack the nose. People always ask about packing. There are still surgeons in today's day and age of you know 2023 that are packing the nose with gauze. And I, I only pack the nose once every 12 years for somebody that just bleeds too much, I have to put some gauze in there and pack it. That's very, 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 very rare. Very, very rare. But that is one of the things that could potentially happen. So when you're talking about a surgery, you always got to know like what are the potential complications. In that first week, bleeding. it's going to be bleeding. And it's very unusual, but every once in a blue moon, someone just throws a blood clot or something comes off or gets loose and you have a massive bleeder. You call your surgeon, they come in, they fix it, and usually it's something they can do there in the office. Um, but that is a very, you know, real potential complication. After- it, it's very rare. I used to, I mean, I used to tell people like it happens a lot, and and I I think you know I'm going to knock wood right now, but it it does happen once every four or five years that somebody bleeds a little more than than the family's comfortable with. I said, come into the office, let's take a look. Maybe I'll put a little gauze on one side or something. Right. It it does happen because, you know, you're cutting bones. You're doing all kinds of things to the nose, and, and it's a high blood flow area. Right. There's a lot of vessels that feed the nose. I mean, anybody who's broken the nose will tell you they thought they were going to bleed to death from their nose, which, right. by the way, I've never, ever heard of <laughs> happening and doesn't seem to happen ever. But 
It can, it can be. look. It can be scary. It can be a lot of blood. So that's that's probably the, the number one thing that could potentially go wrong in that first week. And then after the splint comes off, then it's a waiting game. You know, it's going to be swollen. It's going to look a little potato-ish. No, you'll be able to see a difference, especially if you had a large hump or you had a very projected tip. You're going to see the change immediately. But in terms of getting the swelling out and really seeing the underlying shape and construct of the nose, that takes a few months. If it's a primary rhinoplasty, you know, four or five months to really get its final shape and then even up to a year. If you have thicker skin, it's going to take a little bit longer for that to come in. But the bruising, the severe swelling, that'll come down in about two to three weeks. So if you want to go out and have dinner with your friends, three weeks-ish, you know, probably be good. But that's not going to be your final result. Not even close. And and that's what we always say. You'll be restaurant ready in two to three weeks. Right. Um, which means you can go out and have dinner yeah. and not feel totally uncomfortable. Yeah, the waiter won't, you know, look at you weird. Yeah, so I, I tell people to and, – and, and this has happened many times too – is after four weeks, people look – pretty good and right. like for my like actors and all that they they go get new headshots and i'm like no nope. you're gonna look different <laughs> it's still really <laughs> swollen it's gonna take it's gonna like wait till at least at least four or five months to like start thinking that this is the time to take photos because it it will get better and better and and it and it should evolve into something really nice and you should be really happy with it over that first year and uh that's kind of how it heals and, and the, the timeline people always ask when do i get back to exercise Two to three weeks, you can get back to doing like the gym. You can go. You, I don't want you running, uh, but you can get back to doing like some curls and some tricep kickbacks, right. some squats. You can do the elliptical trainer. You can do nothing like don't run on the treadmill, but you could do the recumbent bike. You could do something where it's no impact and you're not bouncing your nose around and you're not going to, you know, knock off a clot and bleed, which is what I'm concerned right. about. Which can happen up to three weeks. So I would say up to three weeks, nothing heavy, no heavy lifting, nothing where you have to strain too much. And really importantly, nothing that's going to break the nose, potentially break it. So if you, Yeah, jujitsu is a bad idea for the first three idea. months. <laughs> I wouldn't go during the middle of your ski season. Like the bones are very fragile. You've, we've broken them during surgery. And so until they are fully healed, which is six weeks plus, they can easily break again. So that's where you have to be really careful when you're walking on your house at night, that you're not running into door jams. Oh, if you have happens. small children, that you're not holding them on your lap and then they're headbutting your head. Definitely seen that happen. So you have to just be really mindful of your nose and what's coming at it because it's easy to damage it and break it and bump it and potentially hurt your rhinoplasty in that initial six-week period. Once you get past six weeks, you can be a little bit you know, less cautious. But for that time period, you just have to be really careful. And then you got to stay in contact with your surgeon. We say this all the time. You got to follow up, follow up, follow up. Because you might think everything's healing well, but then when you come in, we can recognize something like, oh, hey, did you notice this is a little bit off or this needs to be adjusted? Maybe a little injection here, a little bit there. Oh, we need to do some nose cones to open up the nostrils. Like there are things that we are keeping an eye out on during your recovery period that are very important. So certainly do your follow-ups. Yeah, following up is key. Um, oh, taping. Uh, we didn't talk about the taping. That's something important to do. Yeah, well, yeah, we do like you after surgery to tape. But I, I wanted to mention for my out-of-town patients, because I have a lot of people that fly in for surgery, those follow-ups by, uh, by video conference are key. And then I will say you do need to come back. And it's typically at least once, sometimes twice, 
where you have to come back in person because I have to look at certain things in the nose right. that just are not – they're not available through a visual inspection through a camera. It just – it isn't yeah. the same thing. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of friends around the country who help me with uh, with uh, rhinoplasty patients and they are incredibly incredibly helpful and good to do so. And because they're my friends, they are, you know, willing to see these uh, patients of mine that are having a little trouble in, when they're in, you know, Atlanta or Boston. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, to give shout outs to, you know, John Connors and uh, Rafi Dersarkisian. I mean, these these guys are just amazing. And they, they have helped me tremendously with patients. Um, you know, uh, Phil Dowell in Dallas. I mean, so there's there's a lot of people that really step up if you're having trouble. But the point is, if you, you really need to get on a plane and come back and see me. <laughs> and, then, right. and they don't like to do that if they don't go, oh, you know, but I got the kids yeah. and I got this. And then I, you know, let me see if I can see get somebody to take a look at you. Yeah. Because there are certain things that you just can't appreciate through a camera. Right. That you can't. And, and the patients might not know, but it's an issue. So if you follow up, that's super helpful. Um, as we said earlier, once the, once the splint comes off, you'll be taping at night, usually for a few weeks. Um, you might video on YouTube. Video on YouTube for that. Um, nose cones. Calvert nose taping. <laughs> it's really good. It's one. right there. It's um, good. Easy. All these things that we can help you with in the post-op period. Um, but yeah, you just got to follow up. Some some important notes for the parents because I do a lot of teen rhinoplasty. Um, and there is a podcast called Teen Rhinoplasty. Yes. I would highly recommend listening to that. Um, it's helpful. And also we have a post-op instructions for rhinoplasty patients podcast, which is also key, but you need pain control. (laughs) You know, the parents are freaked out by the fentanyl craze and like you're getting these, you know, you will need some narcotics for a day or two at least, and you're getting them from reputable pharmacies. They don't have fentanyl in them. Don't worry. (laughs) These are, these are like normal drugs. And I'm telling you, the parents are so freaked that they like give their kids like a Tylenol and like, and the kids are miserable. I'm like, please, please medicate your kids. They need these drugs. It hurts. (laughs) We've did, we cut bones. We, we moved things around. Like this is a painful surgery kind of it. it, And it's not painful for long, but for the day after surgery, anybody who's had surgery can tell you like, you need some pain control for a day or two and then, and then it eases off and it's okay. No one's going to get addicted on two days of pain medicine. No, no, not That's at all. It's not a thing. And and you can get over to everyone worries about Advil. I I get people on Advil very quickly. Advil doesn't cause the bleeding and bruising that aspirin does. Aspirin is a different drug than Advil. The ibuprofen is not going to give you the bleeding and bruising. Aspirin will. Aspirin will. Yeah. Aspirin, sure. the legit salicylic acid aspirin <laughs> will make you Bruised like somebody ran you over with a bus. You can't take aspirin around surgery. However, the Advil you can. And, you know, I've had sinus surgery myself and I, I took, I took like one or two Percocet for a day or so. And then, uh, then I went to Advil and it was fine. So, you know, from my own personal experience, you know, and I I am a, you know, big boy and I played rugby, so I probably have a higher pain tolerance, but still for the kids, give them pain medicine. They need it. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll thank you for it. And you will thank you for it. <laughs> you will be very grateful that your child is resting easily and comfortable after having this, you know, operation, which, you know, just a, a quick side note for teen rhinoplasty. It, it is one of the most rewarding experiences as a surgeon to have teenagers come in and say, this operation has altered the course of my life and I can't thank you enough. And the parents say the same thing. And it's really 
so powerful and so wonderful. It makes what I do totally worth it. That's great. And we do. Check out the Teen Rhinoplasty podcast because it's, it's, it's a good one if you're at all thinking about it. Yeah, so that's kind of how it works. I'm not sure what else. I mean, cost. We always talk about cost. Um, it's not cheap. Uh, it's not cheap, and it, it depends on what part of the country you're in, what uh, zip code in L.A. you're in. depends on surgeon experience. So it's very, very variable. Yeah, the range of a rhinoplasty that I've heard in the last uh, six months has been anywhere from $8,500 up to $30,000 for a primary rhinoplasty. Yes, that, that is a very accurate range. And that's just in the Los Angeles County area. I think in New York, it may be more. I, I think Manhattan has gotten even more expensive hmm. than that now. I, I'm not sure. Um, and there are outlier surgeons. I, I've heard of surgeons charging $75,000 for a primary rhinoplasty. They're, they're, you know, highly desired people that have, you know, Fancy planes and things like that. So, I mean, there are, you can pay more, I promise you. Um, I think, you know, in 90210, it's like, I think is you get closer to 90210 and you get closer to, you know, 10021, the prices go up. Yeah, I think in, in the 90210 Beverly Hills area, a primary rhinoplasty is going to be anywhere from fifteen to $25,000. Elsewhere, it might be closer to the eight to 10000 I think is a very reasonable range. Yeah, it depends. If you're in Toledo, Ohio, it's way less expensive than, than you know, Beverly Hills or Newport Beach or San Francisco or New York City. I mean, those, those zip codes are expensive. Right, and it's just because it costs more to live there. Um, but still, usually a higher price means that someone's had more experience. They do this a lot. Uh, but still, just check out the befores and afters. Make sure you like their results and that you're not just paying them for the sake of paying them, but that you actually like it. Maybe you have a lesser sur- – not a lesser surgeon, but someone who charges less, but you like their results more, then that's your surgeon. You 100%. Know, don't necessarily say just because they're the, the most expensive, they're the best. They probably are pretty close to the best, but not necessarily. Yeah, I think there's a correlation because – if the results aren't awesome, you really can't charge a lot. You really for them. can't. People will not they won't tolerate pay. that. Nope. Nope. I mean, I have people that fly in for me to do these operations and pay what I charge for it because they want the reliability. They've seen, right. you know, he's done more than five thousand rhinoplasties. He's, you know, been the president of the rhinoplasty society. He speaks at all the meetings. Look at these before and afters. I'll go there. I think I'm, I'm stacking the cards in my favor. Yes. There's going to be a premium. I'm going to pay for it. You don't have to do that. There are people that are, you know. 10 years in practice that you know were trained by me that are incredible rhinoplasty yep. surgeons and they don't cost half of what I charge. So the most important thing in that situation is that you have good communication with the with the surgeon and you like the before and afters on the the medical before and afters, not the, you know, fancied up, you know, I'm out at the club selfie before and afters which are 1000% BS. I won't rant. I see you looking at me. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> the selfie at the club, but afters drive me crazy. That's my rant. That's I got a little bonus rant there. Um, anyway, just look at the before and afters on the website. Make sure they're you know reasonable medical before and afters. I I, I admit my lighting is sometimes wacky too, and it's uh, it's hard because I take pictures in my office. And it depends if it's one o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the middle of winter, or if it's you know it just that that makes it very hard. But uh, I'm going to try to standardize that by getting this uh, new system for us and see if I can't get, you know, very consistent lighting, very consistent before and afters. But they should be reasonable. And video really counts. I, that's why I would like to put up a lot of video of my patients because then, like, you just can just look at them then. Or right. they can look at you when we're talking here and say, like, well, that looks okay. I guess that's good. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think the, the experience is key and you want to know what's going to happen. So hopefully this podcast is helpful for that. Um, listen to the other ones that we've recommended and, and call the office of your surgeon. I mean, the, the people there will be able to talk about it. Like in my office, like everybody's well-versed in what goes on in rhinoplasties, facelifts and, and breast surgery. Cause that's what I do the most of. And if you call the office and the team seems to know what's going on, that's usually very helpful. Right. But it doesn't replace the consult. So no. come in, talk to the doctor, get your questions answered and book your rhinoplasty. Yeah. Get it done. It's uh it's powerful. I, I, I had one kid this year that just, I, it, it just made me cry. <laughs> it's like, she's telling me like what it's done for her. And you know, it's funny too. Cause like her father was almost like he, he, he just couldn't believe that he admit that it went so well for her. You know, it was just like, I, I got to hand it to you. I mean, you know, she seems to really, you know, she seems like she likes the result. She was like, I love it. <laughs> He's like, I don't like this result. I love it. It's totally changed my life. It is amazing. I can't believe, like, she came out of her shell. It, it just was, it was such a, you know, and it, and it still was her. Like, it, she didn't have, like, a nose job, you know? She looked like that, you know, teenage girl that needed to have the the problems with the nose which were really detracting from her looks and and when they were fixed just you know the world opens up you know they 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 feel like the confidence and the the oh, I just love the way that I look and it's it just makes them go out and interact differently and it and it literally alters the course of their life it's yeah, huge for sure so anyway that's that's why I love what I do it's just it, it is a privilege to do it and I love doing it and uh, it really makes me happy to see those, you know, those kids just, you know, blossom and, yeah. and, and adults, any, I've had adults who said, I'm, I have a, a patient right now who's in her fifties. So she's like, I've been waiting to do this my whole life. I haven't had the money to do it. I'm going to do it now. I want it done right. I need it to be amazing. And that's why I'm here. That's it. Get on the table. That's what <laughs> I say. Giddy up. Well, I think that's it. I think we hit the highlights and uh, yeah. If you need anything more, there's a there's a host of topics on the podcast. Go to the websites. It's on the Instagram. Like, there's plenty of information. We 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 do a lot of this, and it's a good thing. Well, with that, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the nine hundred two one. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself. This is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Uh